You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. On the 11th of August 2017, George Snayman shared from part two of the Doctrine series on Making Disciples. Last Sunday, Joshua uh, took me on a mountain bike course. It's a farm where you go and they do mountain, serious mountain biking there. And I think Joshua was waiting for this for a long time. And he knew there was something in me that needs to be broken. And so <laughs> I went with him and it was a 35 kilometer in the mountains. And every time you've got to choose between two routes, one is the chicken run and the other one is the bull run. And Joshua just keep on choosing the bull run. <laughs> he refused to choose the chicken run. And we've been cycling for like an hour and a half. I tell you honestly, my legs were just, I kept on looking, they were still there. They were gone. And we stopped at one stage and he turned around, he looked at me and he gave me that smile. He said, you know how far we're cycling today? It's 33 kilometers. He said, how many do you think we've done so far? <laughs> and it was something like 11. <laughs> and I could just feel my heart. But, you know, then I see that look in his eyes. And I say, so what are you waiting for? Let's go. <laughs> and so my pride took me across the line. And that evening I was lying on my bed crying with pain. <laughs> but the, the, the point I want to make about this was he, he really did teach me a lot. Because I love mountain biking, but I've never had anybody teaching me. And so there were places literally where we would go. It would be higher than from the roof to here, it would be down like this on loose gravel, right? And it would be an angle of 45 and more degrees. I, I mean, I was genuinely standing there and I can feel my heart pumping my throat. I think, I won't walk down here. <laughs> and then Joshua said, come, you, you can do it. And I could feel the fear. I think even as you grow older, you know, you start protecting yourself more because, you know, things don't just grow back. <laughs> so, but then he would give me secrets. He would say to me, listen carefully. When you go down, the biggest secret is you must put your weight as far as far as you can in the back of your bike and just hold your handles very lightly. Don't lean on your handles because if you do and you hit that first rock, you're gone. You, you will fly like a bullet. And, I mean, you go down there, they're not even going to pick you up. They're just going to cover you. <laughs> and, so, and then I stand there and I look at this and I, I can literally feel I can't breathe. And he said, okay, you're going to go. I said, okay. <laughs> you know, but then I said, okay, just wait in the back. Wait in the back. Whatever you do, keep your <laughs> Close my eyes and then I go. And every time... What he taught me worked. And I, I managed. I didn't fall down once. He, we went over a rock garden. I call it a rock garden. It's just all these huge rocks piled up from here to the door. And then you've got to go through. You know what he said to me? He said, choose your line and do not look at anything else. If you do, you're going to go for where you look at. I thought, what do you mean? And, and I chose my line, and then I just looked, and I saw a big rock here. I mean, it's unbelievable. I saw it. I got paralyzed. I went straight into it. <laughs> so when Joshua taught me, when you pick your line, 
You stick to it. You forget about the other rocks. You do not look at them. You look at that where you've chosen. For better or for worse, you go that way. And in a moment I had the courage to do that and the discipline to only go for that line. It worked. And I went through the rocks. We are at the moment in hands. We are doing something which is crazy. We are doing something at the moment. We are talking about a word doctrine. Sound doctrine. Because you see, Joshua gave me some doctrine when we did mountain biking. And that saved me. It kept my skin on my legs when I understood the doctrine and I applied it. Who of you can remember when we spoke last time about doctrine, which is such a big, ugly word? Like, whoa. who could remember, what did we define it as? What was it? What was that word? What was the, what did we say it was in simple language? Who could remember? Teaching. Teaching. It's just teaching. It's just to teach. So, if I say to you, I run every day of my life, wherever it's possible. This morning I didn't run, I spinned. I went on a spinning bike. I do it, not because I feel like it. I didn't feel like it this morning. <laughs> Not because I like it, but I do it because I believe it will keep me healthy. And it helps me to travel well. I can travel in tough conditions and I can sleep less. And that's why I do exercises every day. So I explain to you, I believe something about healthy living and then I apply it. And that's my doctrine. That's my teaching. And I'm teaching that wherever I go. When people ask me, I tell them about that. So who could remember what doctrine did we talk about last time? Those of you who were here, who could remember? We spoke about the doctrine of, or the teaching of? Giving. Giving. There was a, a word that we used on giving. We said the what of giving. Giving, uh, we said giving is abuse. There's a lot of bad teaching about giving, isn't it? Especially in the church. A lot of bad teaching. But we said, when you read the Bible, Paul speaks about the what of giving. The grace of giving. And, and suddenly giving became so holy and beautiful to us, isn't it? Giving is not natural. It's not that I can give more than Jen can give, which is not true. Um, <laughs> but giving means, uh, biblical giving is the grace of giving. Paul said the Macedonian church gave even though they were? Were they rich? Poor. poor. How poor? Extremely poor. Could you remember that scripture? Paul said the Macedonian church gave more than anybody else even though they were extremely poor. We said they were a community of the ladder and yet they gave more than everybody else. And Paul said it's because they had the grace of giving. Giving is not when you've got a few bucks left in your pocket and you throw it at somebody and you make sure somebody else sees you. 
giving is when you believe you've got not enough for yourself, but you see something that grips your heart, and you remember what Christ did for you, and you sacrificially give. And we spoke about the doctrine of the grace of giving, and how hands at work is a tool that God used to stir the church again to understand what real giving is. Not because we do it right either. We are also learning. But we took a truth, a teaching of the doctrine of giving. And we're living it out and we're proclaiming it in our website, and our way we live, and our core values. And when teams come here, and we challenge churches to support children. And all of this is so that they can learn more what a sound doctrine is. The doctrine of giving. So this morning, I want to talk to you about about another one of the doctrines. So many times people say, oh, all this doctrines and theology. We don't need it. We are busy with urgent work. We're reaching grandmothers and children that nobody else is reaching. We can do it. Now, if any one of you know me, you know how impatient I am. I've always got to be held back by the leaders. I'm always ready for Sudan and for wherever. Let's go, let's go. But the truth is, we cannot. We cannot do it if we don't have a sound doctrine. It's unbiblical, firstly. But secondly, it is not fruitful. The courthouse will come down. The courthouse will come down. Guys, it's not just as individuals and as hands. I want to promise you today, if you don't have sound teaching, if you don't have a sound understanding of life, your courthouse is going to come down. You're going to fail the people you love the most in the worst possible time. That's why sound doctrine... Is so important, especially in an age where we don't commit to anything. We've got apps for everything. We don't have to dig deep into anything. We can just phone somebody to help us. So we're very shallow in our, in our doctrines, in our teaching, in our understanding of life. So we're getting married, and suddenly we discover, whoa, financial pressures. Sickness, death, all these things are going to come your way. And you're going to stand on fall if you've got a sound doctrine, if you, if you have got a sound understanding that you've heard, you tested, you agreed with, and now you're living it out. That's sound doctrine. The, the early church had such an emphasis on sound doctrine. What did they say in Acts? What did they do daily? Who can tell me? The early church, what did they do daily? They had a rhythm, just like we've got a rhythm. Why do you think we've got a rhythm? Monday morning, men prayer. Monday morning, the whole community comes together. Tuesday morning, ladies. Wednesdays, why do we do that? Is it because we, we're looking for a happy hour every day? Why do we waste so much time on doing all this Faithfully, non-negotiable. You come to hands, you don't have a choice. Monday morning, 7 o'clock, the men pray. Why do we do that? 
It's sound doctrine. That's where we hear from each other. That's where we, we grow. It's like going to gym. That's where we listen to the truth. And, and you can hear it 20 times, but that Monday morning when you need it the most, Tommy shares, and, and you listen and you say, wow, yes, that's true. I can see it even how we listen. I'm going to live it. And it becomes a foundation in your life. And when the storm comes, not if the storm comes. Nowhere in the Bible they say, if a storm comes for 50%, 50 of you won't, it's when it comes. It all depends if you are on the rock. If you took sound doctrine, if you know what you believe. So enhance at work, and this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. We've got a doctrine that we make disciples. We make disciples. You know, I have seen amazing ministries and amazing churches really amazing people, people that are much more gifted and qualified and many times were much more devoted than we are. And I saw the cart house come down, destroyed forever, because their ministry outgrew their maturity. Can you hear what I'm saying? The ministry out, it grew because they had gifts and zeal and they were urgent and they want to reach 100,000 and people love their vision and their dream. But their leaders were not strongly developed leaders. And then the wind came. You know what happened? That beautiful dream that everybody loved. One email is going to go out one day and say there will be no more uh, hands at work or a church or whatever. And everybody said, how did that happen? I never saw it coming. How did they get divorced? Over my, I never thought it could happen. How did that man go into adultery? It's unbelievable. How did it happen? They were not mature. They never grew. They never took it serious that as individuals and as a family, if we want to survive, we're going to have to become mature. We're going to have to dig deep and have sound doctrine because as hands grows, guys, that the challenges the exec team faced this year and what we faced only three years ago is totally different. We're facing law cases. We're facing corruption and fraud and armed. I mean, it's unbelievable. Ten years ago when Akel and I started, we faced completely different things. So as we grow, the challenges grow. And that's the same with you as an individual. The challenges are going to grow. Today you think you're invincible. You're young and you're going to get married or you're married and you're skilled. And Tomorrow there's a curveball coming. Are you going to be ready for that curveball? Sound. You've got to dig deep. And that's why discipleship is absolutely key. Jesus, in his last words, just think about it. If, if I know today's my last time I'm ever going to speak to you, I know for a fact I'm going to die or I'm going to go away or whatever. What will I say to you? I won't talk to you about silly things. I'll share the deepest, deepest things in my heart. The last time Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, 
You've got to. You've got to go and make disciples. You know what the disciple is? A disciple is somebody that hears the teaching, apply it, and then teach it to others. You want to know somebody who's a disciple of Jesus. Do they do what they say, and do they teach it to others? In hands, we say, beautiful feet never walks alone. Guys, it's biblical. You cannot say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and you're not actively, daily, involving yourself in people's lives. What is discipleship? I mean, practically, George, what the heck? What is it? Well, as Christians, I'll give you an example of discipleship. Discipleship is, how do you love God? How do you learn to love God, like really with your mind? What's the discipline that you go into? That you can love Him. Sunshine, what do we see in sunshine? And in rain. How, how do you love God? How do you love people around you? How do you take the Lord's cup? Do you understand what Holy Communion really means? And what it means to your relationship with God and with other people? Hold you accountable. Matthew 18. You cannot just walk around and go on a tantrum every second day and badmouth people. No. Come. I want to get that person. Let's talk. What did you say? Say it here. So we can deal with this sin. Discipleship means to embrace the one that you follow's culture. How do you know when somebody's a disciple of Michael Jackson? <laughs> the glove, right? And I mean, isn't it interesting that all the cults and all the other things, you can spot the, yeah, all the people that they follow, you can spot them a mile far that they're disciples of them. And yet, I would dare to say the majority of Christians, if you do not say to them, are oh, you actually a disciple of Jesus, you won't know. You know, most of the disciples of Jesus left him. It was too tough for them. In John 6, verse 66, he said, and most left him. And Jesus even said to those who stayed behind, what about you, are you also going to leave? And I said, we too. You are the way. There's nothing for us. We've got to get to that place. You've got to cross that line. We say, there is nothing outside Jesus. And that's why I'm a disciple, and I will follow his ways. How do we hold each other accountable? That's discipleship. How do we walk in our Holy Spirit? How do we study God's word and apply it? That's how we disciple each other. As individuals in his hands. That's why we've got to grow as disciples. We walk in a new way that we were taught. Word and deed. And that's why we've got to watch word every year, right? Why do you think we've got to watch word? Just so that we can be... No. Who, who can tell me anything about this year's watch word? Any phrase, any sentence, any word? Joy. Joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Three doctrines. Now, why do we have this watchword? Because now it's tough for me. I struggle. I, I, I've lost my joy because it seems like life sucks. 
for me at the moment. Then Catherine said, George, our watchword is be joyful in hope. Now I start thinking, okay, things look tough. It's not good. But George, what do you believe? Well, if there's anything I believe, I believe that there's a second coming. I really believe it. I, I believe it's a new kingdom. And I've seen too much suffering and pain not to believe that there's going to be another world where it's not going to be. So I, if I believe one thing, I believe it's going to be a new kingdom where Granny Esther is going to eat three times a day and, and the children are not going to be abused and everybody's going to have parents. I believe it. Otherwise, I chase something that's not real. I believe it. And so if I understand that, I can speak to myself. David says, speak to you. Oh soul, why are you downcast? George, what is your nonsense? Think about it, man. There's hope, George. Don't look at today and the, the meetings you face with Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> Think about the hope. A time is coming where every child will be happy. And I get up and I say, hallelujah. Faithful in prayer. When I want to give up, when it seems like my family is falling apart and there's just no hope and I want to give up, I'm reminded Come on, George, be faithful. You're confronted now. Do you believe in prayer? Do you stand on it? In Matthew 7, verse 7, it said, Ask and you will be given. Lord, I ask. You promise. I ask you. I trust you. Sound doctrine. I can only do it if I believe it. So that's why we've got watchwords. Okay, so I want to leave it with you like this. We in hands have got a rhythm and we challenge each other deeply as individuals. How's your walk? How's your attitude? How do we do that, right? We know well how we do it. <laughs> we hold each other tight because we love each other. We commit it. But then we practice because we want to become stronger. And that's why we love going on a Friday morning and we love going on a Monday and we love small groups. We love it because we practice, we become stronger. I sit in a small group sometimes and I listen to people saying things and I think, I know you two years ago. Man, did God work in your life. It happened in a small group. So we are growing. We're not going to give up because we're making leaders. Because if hands at work don't make mature leaders, the wind will come. Just the last thing. Another reason why we do it is because God has told us that we must care for those that we love. We must care for the sheep. One of the disciple-making things is, have you got discernment to know the difference between true teaching and false teaching? You know, in the earliest church, there was already heresy. You know that? False teaching. As much as the church were persecuted from outside, they were arrested with false teachings from inside. How do you know the difference between good and bad teaching? And today, is bad teaching, false teaching is at its peak with internet and TV and availability. How do you know when you listen to a guy? speaking. How do you know when you read a book of seven steps how to become 
wealthy in Jesus. How do you know it's true? Some of these guys have got millions of followers, guys. They are the most popular teachers. You go and read their books, the word cross doesn't exist in that book. Sacrifice doesn't, it's not there. How do you know the difference? We enhance at work, do Maranatha workshop, right? Why do we do it? What do we say? What's the question we ask? Do you? Do you know the Jesus I know? Right? I just got such incredible news yesterday again from Praxidens, what happened in Zambia this week. Unbelievable. How many people came to Christ and how miracles happened. I mean, crazy miracles. When people dare to speak, do you know the Jesus I know? But my question to you is, how do you know we know the right Jesus? There are many Jesuses preached today, guys. How do you know when you hear the right Jesus? You will only know it if you are discipled. If you are part of a group, a church, hands at work family, a small, where you dig, you test, you hear, you discern, you ask the Holy Spirit, and you become stronger and stronger. When you watch sport, you watch, not cricket, <laughs> when you watch sport, and, and you watch the commentators, the guys who were very good when they played, and they will give you information about a, a ball or soccer that was kicked. And you think, I could never have seen that with my own eyes. This commentator that's telling you has got such a trained eye that he can see exactly how the guy released the ball. And that's why this happened and that happened. We can't see that as, as novice people. We've got to become good and learn. When I went to Canada, I went to go and watch ice hockey. The first half, I, I just watched guys running around. I couldn't see the puck. Like even on the TV, I can't see the puck. It's just too fast for me. I look at the guy's legs and then the puck is there. And then, you know, it took me a lot of hard work to be able to follow the puck. Guys, you're not going to happen. Just, you can't just go to the front and say, Jesus, I give you my life and I trust you're going to take care of me for the rest of my life. In one way, of course it's true. But in another way, Jesus said, now that you have got a new life, you've got to learn a new kingdom now, a new culture. So Jesus taught the disciples for three years, right? How did he do it? Did he have coffee with them on a Wednesday morning in a coffee shop? Coffee shop is not discipling, it's coffee shop. Okay, don't let people tell you they're disciple guys when they have coffee on a Wednesday morning. It's a cheap shot. Just like a drinking coffee at a fair trade shop is not justice. It's a fashion statement, right? Let's call it on its name. Guys, if we love each other, we don't make converts, we make disciples. We walk with each other. We go where it's dirty and messy. And we walk it out because we care about each other. Right? That's the way we've got to do it. That's what it means to make disciples. So Jesus did it for three years. Where it was dirty, in the dust. Then he died and he came back. And what did he do then? He walked with them for another 40 days. And what did he teach them? Jesus taught them about the kingdom of God. 
What is the kingdom of God? It's a new kingdom. It's a new culture. It's different from the kingdom that you were born in. It's different from the way they teach you now. It's different from the way you grew up. He said, I'm teaching you now a new kingdom. And that is why part of discipleship making, we're finishing now, okay? Part of discipleship making is the New Testament was written for one reason, for us to learn to become mature. Peter, Paul, John, the Gospels, all of them are speaking, they're saying, do this, don't do this, go there, don't go there. So if you don't listen, if you don't read that instructions, if you don't meditate upon it, if you're not in a place where you hear it over and over, how the heck are you going to grow? And that's why Jesus said, he loves us and he cares about us and he said, guys, I want you to finish the race well. I want you to survive. And that means you've got to be discipled. You've got to grow. And that's why he spoke that whole sermon on the mount. And that's what we've got to go and dig into it. That's where he spoke to us about things. And when you can do that, you can care for other people. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org